0: Thank you, Brother Paul, worship team, for drawing our minds and our hearts into one accord to worship God. I stand here today joyous. I've looked forward to this with great anticipation. But I also stand up here trembling, realizing the weight that comes with this. Our text is going to be in John chapter 1. If you'll turn there, but before we go there, I want to read a couple of verses by way of introduction. So, as I was studying this week, I realized suddenly, I don't know why, but I realized hey, there are places in every gospel that is the first time we see the recorded words of Christ. I mean, I'm one that I've always, I I try to look up the first occurrence of a word because, you know, if you look up where the word is first used in the scripture, it tends to give you the definition of that word. And so it surprised me that I had never really considered that for um, phrases, for, for personalities in scripture speaking for the first time. I mean, but if you think about it, the first time God spoke, let there be light. The first time God speaks in the scripture, he reveals to us that he wants illumination. He wants revelation. And so as I was studying in the Gospel of John, I I came across the realization that, oh, this is the first time it's recorded Jesus is speaking. And then I decided in the synoptic Gospels, what does he say when he first speaks in Luke? If we go through it chronologically, we begin at Luke. And Luke, when he was 12 years old, we read that he he said unto them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And then in Matthew 3, we read, Then Jesus came from Galilee to to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be not so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then in Mark chapter one, we, we read, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. By these words alone, it can be clearly seen that Jesus has come with purposeful intention. Jesus has come to fulfill the word, the Father's will. And that his work would be accomplished in perfect accord with the will of God and with the word of God. And that now it is time. That's amazing. So let us pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to gather together in your house with like-minded individuals to worship you, to honor you, to seek your face, and to learn of you. Father, I pray that you would anoint this word to go forth and perform all your will, God. Just get me out of the way and let your word go forth. I pray anointed And let it be rightly divided and let it go forth in power and give us the understanding and give us hearts to receive it and respond to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Gospel of John does something totally different. It's not part of the synoptic Gospels. When Jesus is recorded speaking for the first time in John's Gospel, it is not to reveal something of his mission or ministry. But rather we find ourselves challenged with a question. So in John chapter 1, I want to begin at verse 29 just so we have some context. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist, and the next day is the day after he had been questioned. By the priest and Levites sent by the Pharisees. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was and i have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of god and then in verse 35 the next day again john was standing with his with two of his disciples and he looked at jesus as he walked by and said behold the lamb of god the two disciples heard him say this and they followed jesus jesus turned and saw them following and said to them what Are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So my text today I want to I want to focus our attention on that statement that Jesus makes there, that question that he asked, What are you seeking? In the garden called Gethsemane, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus just prior to his crucifixion, he asked, Whom do you seek? But this day, he asked, What do you seek? Do you think that question's kind of odd? What do you seek? Notice when John's disciples responded to Jesus, they did so with rabbi or teacher. But we just read where no doubt they witnessed John the Baptist declaring him as. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and greater still the one whom the Holy Spirit remains upon, and the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and the very Son of God. And yet these disciples of John, when they when Jesus turns and asks them, what do you seek? They respond with teacher. I think it reveals a little bit of what's in their hearts at this moment. What what are they thinking? What is their motivation? What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Now, I know in a lot of commentaries you read, they they say that this means they were asking him, hey, where are you staying? So we can come and have a private conversation with you. But you know what? As I was studying this out and praying about it, it it occurred to me that in modern vernacular, it may be something a little bit different. They could have been saying, oh, you know what? (laughs) Maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe we need to come and get with you some other time. Can you just tell us where you live so we can come and talk to you later? But don't we do that? Don't we ever feel an unction to, to move out for God and then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, wait, this might not be the right time? Or, or maybe I misthought. See, What I want to drive home today is we must honestly come to recognize that our desires influence what we believe. And further, the degree of our desire determines how committed our faith is going to be, as we are convinced that the object of our belief will fulfill our desire. Consider it now what we desire influences what we believe. What were the disciples at that moment desiring? See, while formulating that thought that our desires influence what we believe, in my mind as I was studying, what came to my mind was the Ten Commandments, specifically the Tenth Commandment. Exodus 20, 17 says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. It's fairly easy to see how desire, right, and coveting can go together. It's like, what I desire. If I desire my neighbor's things, then I can convince myself eventually that I'm right in doing whatever I have to do to get those things. So God put it in the Ten Commandments, do not covet these things. But as I was thinking that over, it occurred to me that Commandments 6, 7, 8, and 9 applied as well. Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. All these things directly relate to curbing the evil desires of our sinful hearts. And we can see it all around us today. I mean, if you ever listen to the, to the uh, testimony of a convicted murderer, they, they can give you all kinds of legitimate reasons in their mind as to why they did what they did. Because their desire got up to a certain point that they gave themselves over to that. And as I continued on, I suddenly realized that commandments 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 do the same thing. Worship God only. Make no idols. Do not take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. If we start there where God told us to start, worship me only. Make no other gods for yourself. Then our desire is for him. And once our desire is rightly directed, then as we go through life, everything falls into line. This question that Jesus asked, what are you seeking? It's pertinent for our entire lives and it makes absolute sense for when Two disciples of John the Baptist start following him. This, in essence, is the beginning of his ministry, right? We know this because he's already been baptized by John. He's already come out of the wilderness after 40 days of temptation. And his ministry is beginning and two people begin to follow him. And Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, says, What are you seeking We need to ask ourselves that question today. What is it that we are seeking? We pray often for our church. We want to see our church increased. We want to see the membership increased. We want new families to come. Why? What is the motivation behind that? The Ten Commandments are to be held forth before ourselves, right, as a mirror to show our sinfulness, absolutely. But I also now am convinced that they are given to us by God so that we can guard against our desire influencing what we believe. Listen to the response that Jesus gives to the disciples. If it was that they really were experiencing hesitation, Jesus alleviates all of it with his response. In John 1, verse 39, he said to them, Come, and you will see. What are you seeking? Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, and you will see. Immediately, if they really were doubting and saying, You know what, maybe this isn't the right time, Jesus stops it and says, No, no, just come on. Come right now. Come right now. You know, there's never any doubt where God stands in this matter because God desires relationship with us. He doesn't desire automatons. He doesn't want us to just be slaves to him, not thinking. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to enjoy him because he loves us. He doesn't need us but we need him in Genesis 3 we read and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you all the way back at the beginning in Genesis God is seeking man And he's calling to them. He's walking in the cool of the day in the garden. In Isaiah 55, we read, Come, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy But we've built up our desires and we're doing it for these motivations. And and the motivations aren't precisely where they need to be focused. And so we find ourselves working and working and working and working and we're standing still. Lord, why am I not growing in my faith? Why Why am I not seeing your power manifest in my life? Why are my family members not coming to Christ? What are your desires? When we pray for the church to be filled, are we praying for numbers alone? Are we praying for God's will to be done? Further in Isaiah 55, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. This is God's will, God's desire for us. This is the things that Christ is saying when he says, come and you will see. In Isaiah 55, 6, we read, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly Pardon the promises of our Lord. He desires us to follow Him. He desires us to seek Him. But we must be seeking Him and following Him for the right reasons. For His glory, for His exaltation, because He's worthy of it. I really enjoyed the songs we sang this morning, because they lift Him up. They magnify God. Revelation 22, so at the beginning, God is calling us. And at the end of the book, what is he doing? The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It's the same beginning, middle, and end. The Lord is saying, come. Come and you will see. Come and you will be filled. Come and you will be satisfied. Just come to me for the right reason. What are you seeking? We can read in the Gospels where men follow Jesus for multiple reasons. They followed him because they desired to be healed of physical disease, right? I mean, we're familiar with that. And guess what he did? He healed them. And then he told them they needed to desire spiritual healing. They needed a savior to save them from their sin rather than just worrying about the physical condition. The physical condition is temporary. They followed him because they desired to feed their physical body, right? Jesus said, you follow me because I fed you. But what did he do when they they followed him for food? He fed them. And then he revealed to them that he was the bread of life and the water of life and that they should hunger and thirst for righteousness. We sang it this morning. In him they would never hunger or thirst again. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the woman at the well, the Samaritan. and She says, give me this water that I never thirst again. And yet she was talking about her physical body because, so she wouldn't have to... Go out to the well and drag the water back. But Jesus said, I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. I am that water of life. Many followed him because they desired a king to deliver them from Roman occupation. And I understand that mentality. Right Right now, the very situation we find ourselves in around the world, it's like, Lord, deliver us from this. And he taught them That if they would follow him, he promised them, all who would believe in him, a kingdom that has no end. I don't know about you guys, but I was moved by these things because daily I have to ask myself, am I following you for the right reasons? Am I praying for whatever I'm praying for, for the right reasons? Or am I just wanting to consume it myself? Even his disciples, the ones who were following him, after some time in his ministry, they too were misled by their own desires. They desired a king to free them from the Romans. They were Jews. They also desired a leader to bring about a rebellion. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their mother came up to Jesus and said, Hey, I would like my sons to be seated on your right hand and your left hand. What? What? What did Jesus say to that? He said in Matthew 20, But Jesus called to them and said, You know that rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Even the disciples handling, touching, seeing, hearing Jesus, they were, had the wrong desires, and he had to correct them and say, It's not that way among you. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to seek after me, you're going to do it for the right reasons. What are you seeking? So, you know, rather than to point fingers, because whenever you point, how many point back at you, right? Rather than to do that, I I phrased all this as questioning myself. What is my motivation for following Jesus? Is it curiosity? Tradition? Habit? Sunday morning, let's go to church, because it's a habit. Maybe it's for finding purpose in my life. Self-improvement. There's a lot of preachers on TV for that. To feel good about myself. There's another checklist off the box I can. Or here's a good one. Maybe I'm following Jesus so I can have my best life now. We laugh, but we laugh because we hear it. And we know there are people, sad people, doing it. This life is temporary. It doesn't matter how good it is, it's going to end. It doesn't matter how much wealth you accumulate, you're going to die. It doesn't matter how how much power you have to influence over people, you're going to stand before a judge over whom you have no influence. Maybe I just want to belong to something Oh, don't you love it when you when you see documentaries about gang members? It seems like many of them, I just wanted to be a part of something. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to belong. Well, there, there are people sitting in their pews today that that's why they're there, just to belong to something. Or what if I am following Jesus because I'm afraid of going to hell? What if my coming to church every service and and Singing and and listening to the preaching and, and attending Sunday school, maybe it's just my get out of hell free card. All these things, they may not be intrinsically evil in themselves, but if we're following Jesus for those reasons, then we're not following Jesus. And if we're not following Jesus, we're in deep trouble. Sometimes we may not even be aware of the desires driving us. This is why we so desperately need to read and study and apply the word of God. Why do you think Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 say, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we read the Bible, it convicts us. When when we read the Bible, it exposes our motivation. It exposes whether or not our desire is for Christ or for self. That's why some people avoid it altogether. I don't want to know. I heard several people tell me when we were teaching the series in 1 John in Sunday school, they would tell me after class, man, that's really convicting me. It convicts me too. Oftentimes when I'm given a message by the Lord to stand up and preach, I have to first ask Him, Lord, how can I preach that message if I can't even live it? Because I fall short. But that's how wonderful He is. In my weakness, His strength is made perfect. If I will follow Him, if I will come to Him seeking Him, He will What does he say? If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He's the one saying, come, come. In 1 Chronicles 22, 19, talking about the word of God and how it can direct our desires rightly. Now, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord, your God. Set your mind and heart to seek God the Lord for the sole intent and purpose to make him your God. Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Oh, we walk around sometimes and we say, I'm so burdened, I'm so overwrought, I'm so overwhelmed. Have you been seeking the Lord and His strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I begin to praise Him and, and worship Him and just allow a melody to build up in my heart and, and let it loose, just walking around in the morning. and I mean... Literally, there are times I can walk around in the morning in my yard feeding the stray cats that abide around my house, and if I begin to dwell on what God has done for me, He gave me breath. He gives me heartbeat. He gives me strength. He woke me up. He woke up my wife. I have a family. I have a sound mind. He loves me. He's given me promises. Here's another season, and He promised as long as the seasons continue. Oh, it starts to stir up in my heart. I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful. And all the worries begin to melt away. And you know what? It's not that I'm avoiding those responsibilities. It's that they're taking their rightful position in my life. He's first. The Lord is first. Worries are down here. If the Lord is first, He's going to lead me through all of them. If He is my strength, they're not going to diminish me. If the Lord is my encouragement, the world's not going to discourage me. If He is my peace, what is He saying? That He's given us peace that the world has not given us, and then the world cannot take it away. My peace I give unto you. That's wonderful. What are we seeking? Well, the answer is seek Jesus. I, I heard a, a song a while ago and it was very simple. And I just at first I, I thought, mm. but then more and more as it plays in my mind, sometimes it, it is. It's wonderful. Seek Jesus in the morning. Seek Jesus in the noonday. Seek Jesus in the evening. What? Yeah, just, just seek Him. Just seek Jesus. Matthew 6, 31-33 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. Jesus. You know, I love it when the the Reformation, they came out with their solas and sola Christus. Jesus alone Christ alone. Why? Because he's the king of kings in Revelation. He's the high priest in Hebrews. He's our redeemer in Galatians. And he's the sole mediator between God and man in First Timothy. He's enough. Today we read a phrase in a, in a book we're studying in Sunday school that God plus. And I know you've heard Jesus plus something no it's jesus alone it's it's jesus alone he's the one who says come and you will see seek jesus why he is faithful and just to forgive our sins seek jesus why he is the door giving entrance into the kingdom of god seek jesus why he is the good shepherd laying down his life sheltering protecting and feeding his sheep Seek Jesus. Why? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is a rest for your soul. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. How lovely are those words because it seems everything the world would dump on our shoulders is heavy and burdensome and dark. Seek Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. I want to read the scriptures we quoted as our text earlier as I finish. The next day again, John was standing with his, with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And if we continue on to verse 40 and 41... This is the result of following Jesus, of responding to Jesus rightly, of seeing him for who he is and why we ought to be following after him. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah which means Christ. If we seek after Jesus for Him, we will find salvation. If we seek after Jesus for Him, we will find everlasting life. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that You... So love us that you pursue us, and then that you put it in our heart that we would pursue you. Let this word go forth and work effectually in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, that we might be changed into the people that you would have us be, the followers, the seekers for Jesus that you made us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.